Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So yesterday there was a report that one of the Virginia state legislators made a comment that the deal to move the Wizards and the Caps to Potomac Yard in Northern Virginia was as good as dead. Um, Eric Flack's been covering a lot of these stories, uh, going back to a lot of the congressional and investiga- investigative stories of Snyder, et cetera. But he's been doing such a great job for a while now for Channel 9. You can follow Eric on Twitter, on X, at Eric Flack TV. Uh, he is covering this story. Before we get to the news, Eric, from yesterday, just give everybody an update since that, you know, giddy press conference that Ted and Yunkin held in Potomac Yard and there was so much excitement and there was such a definitive feeling about this would more than likely happen. What the process has been since that day to make this happen and where they were in that process. 
Well, uh, they they started the legislative process. They spiked the ball before they crossed the goal line is the best analogy I, I can offer. They celebrated an arena that had not even been approved by lawmakers with a very huge price tag and uh, a lot of uh, various concerns about how the plan was rolled out. People, it now appears, as we look back on what people are saying, a lot of lawmakers felt like this plan was sprung on them. And while there was not an initial pushback, that's probably because the legislation hadn't been introduced yet. So Hmm. we didn't we had we had a bit of a period, a honeymoon phase where everything seemed fine. But then we go to Richmond and the sausage has to be made. And the bills to 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 set up the the funding mechanism, I'll keep it at that so it's not to overcomplicate it, but the legislation to set up the funding mechanism to loan Ted Leonsis the money to pay for this thing um, gets in front of the people who have to vote on it, the lawmakers. And that's what is developing over over last week and and what culminated yesterday. There were red flags being raised by various lawmakers uh, for a number of different reasons. A lot of them focused on every, but we're always going to be concerned about the money. I mean, that's always going to be an issue when you when you say we're going to use taxpayer dollars to lend billionaire uh, money to bu- to build a, a shiny new arena. Right. But but those the loudest cries were from rural parts of Virginia who said, what about us? Why are we giving all this money to well to do already northern Virginia for a project that is going to benefit northern Virginia? When we have a whole rest of the state that would like relief and projects in various different ways. Then you have over the weekend, Governor Youngkin gives a speech in which he is very critical of Democrats, the the Democrats who he needed to support his plan. And they took offense to that. And that mobilized them. Take a Scott Surabell, for instance. Scott Surabell is the state senator from Fairfax, the Democratic leader. He initially was, if not for it, very, very open-minded. He never said, I'm definitely for it, but he said, you know, he, he, he was positive about it. I thought he was Team Arena. Well, yesterday, he's standing there right next to Senator Lucas saying, this is not something we're interested in doing. We don't sound like – Governor Youngkin does not sound like he wants to – play ball with us. He does not want to negotiate with us. He does not want this to be a collaborative uh, affair. And and so we just have no interest in, in doing it. And so that's how it kind of unraveled very quickly, is that a whole bunch of what some could call missteps in how the plan was rolled out, and then a, and then a speech by the governor, which was not um, uh, uh, coalition building in, in some of the tone really kind of all came together to where you have the Senate Finance Committee saying, not only are we not going to debate it, we're not even going to talk about it. We're not even going to put it on the agenda. So that's where we are. So a couple of things before I get to whether or not this unraveling will stop and they can stop the snowball from going down the hill and and push it back up the hill. You said something that was interesting to me. You said that it's really a lot of rural Virginia 
um, voters that have the biggest issue with this because it doesn't benefit them in southwestern Virginia or versus the very affluent areas of the D.C. suburbs, northern Virginia suburbs. When I thought all along the discussion, when I say I thought, I read all along that the real challenge would be the NIMBYs, the not-in-my-backyards. Are they playing a role in this? Well, they, and I've talked to the monumental, so the NIMBYs only have, I won't say only have sway, but have the most sway with Alexandria, the the city council there, which would also need to vote to approve zoning, right? There's some money involved from the city of Alexandria for sure, Um, but comparatively to the size of the project, you know, not, not what we're talking about. Um, but, but, you know, that's where a local government gets involved. The NIMBYs who say, we don't want the traffic, the transportation is a mess. Um, in talking to Monumental, um, I get the impression that they felt pretty good about having a coalition in Alexandria lawmakers. Obviously, the mayor is for it. Justin Wilson has, has, was, was behind the scenes putting this deal together. We now know. But as well as the city council, I get the sense that they felt quite good about having the votes to overcome any nimbyism. And I think, you know, Monumental constantly, uh, you know, touts in the weeks leading up to this businesses that have come together that do want it. So while, yes, there's a lot of there's nimbies. Um, I looked at a petition that said stop the arena that only had like 2,500 signatures on it. Last time I checked, this was last week, out of 5,000. So, I mean, it's listen, it's a change.org deal. But, but yeah. my point is that, that I never felt like that was something that couldn't be overcome, especially because monumental, um, at least what they told me, kind of behind the scenes was they felt really good about how they were set up politically in Alexandria. I think they didn't have, they didn't really take care of that on, on the state level. Just remind me again, how big is the project? How big is the, the need? Um, and what will Ted get from the, you know, the, in terms of a financing plan, in terms of the legislation to set up the funding mechanism for what amount is it is it four billion so it's a good question because it's complicated and it's getting reported different ways it is roughly a million dollars excuse me let me rephrase it is roughly a billion plus in bonds being issued but and this is the part that gets lost in the weeds by the time those are paid back with interest we are up to 2.7 to 2.8 billion dollars That is the number that I like to talk about because that is the amount of taxpayer money through the funding mechanism, which is the ticket sales, the parking, all all the details of that. That's the amount that's going to have to get paid back. So if you buy, you know, a thousand dollar watch on your credit card, but you're going to pay it back over time and let the interest add up, that watch is going to end up costing you three grand, right? It's the same with this. The bonds are a billion and some change, uh, 1.06, I think. I'm not, you know, but, but by the time it all gets paid back, 
it's 2.7. So that's the number I like to use. Obviously, depending on what side you're on, you might use a different number. Right. Obviously, a much bigger financial commitment to Ted than the city was willing to make in that 11th hour um, offer. Yeah, um, half, half a billion, 500 million, which remains yeah. on the table. Right. Okay. So we're talking to Eric Flack from WUSA Channel 9. Uh, you can follow Eric on X uh, at Eric Flack TV. He's covering this story. And, you know, you talked about the unraveling of this yesterday because they essentially spiked the ball before crossing the goal line. So where is it right now? Like, what's the projection? Is this thing in deep trouble? Because obviously Monumental pushed back and said they're not concerned necessarily. Where do you think it is in terms of likelihood of getting done? I think concern to deep concern has to be – I mean, I can't get inside their heads. There is a House version of the bill. So the way it works, and Kevin, I, I think you know this, but just to remind your listeners, yeah, please. The way a bill works is is there's there's one in, in the House of Delegates and then there's one in the Senate, and and what you ideally have is the Senate passes a version, the House of that passes a version, they come together, they hammer out any differences, and that's your final bill that goes to the governor's office. Well, the Senate has currently killed its bill, but. The House bill is alive and seemingly well. It's sailed past a, a, an initial – it's committee hearing. So it's the same committee that killed it in the Senate, that kind of equivalent committee, appropriations committee in the House of Delegates, passed it overwhelmingly. So it, so it lives. Today is crossover day um, in Richmond, which means the, the, the Senate side gets all the bills from the House of Delegates – the, the House of Delegates side gets all the bills from the Senate. So that arena bill that, that passed over here on the left with the House of Delegates, excuse me, passed the, is still alive because it got out of committee in, on the House of Delegates side, is now headed over to the Senate side. That is where Monumental believes it is going to intercept um, all those senators that are, that are um, you know, a, against it now or say they are you know i think they have they're going to have a tougher time convincing a a a senator lucas who has really got out there and said heck no not on my watch then maybe a a senator Suravel from fairfax county who seemingly was open-minded to it before things kind of unraveled but they had they believe they're going to be able to convince change hearts and minds in the senate to revive it so that the house can then kind of adopt the Senate can kind of adopt whatever the House presumably passes, and it still lives on and eventually gets passed. But right is it now, simple majority? Like I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to harken back to my um, American government classes. Yeah. But is it just simple majority in the House and Senate? Yeah, it's simple majority. And then if the governor was going to try and veto it. They would mm-hmm. have to have two-thirds to overcome a veto. But obviously, that's not going to happen Of course not, yeah. Because the as governor long as he's the governor when yeah, it gets correct. to him. Correct. That is correct. Um, that is correct. But I've been told that they, they got one shot at this. Like, they, Monumental said it's this session or never. So if you remember the Dan Snyder commander stuff, it failed. But they were like, okay, we'll come back next year and try again. And then he sold the team. But I've been told that Monumental, because they're on the clock, I mean, you know, the 2027, they can buy them out, that, that sort of thing. Um, they, I've been told it's now or never, this session or never, for this thing to become future reality. 
All right. So, did you did, were you one of the people last week that got Ted one on one? Yes. Yes. Okay. First of all, why do you think he picked a few people in local media to do one on ones last week? What, what, what was? I mean, I, I'm not ascribing um, you know some sort of ulterior motive here, but it seemed odd. Was it in anticipation of this news? What was the reason for it? I asked that question, Kevin, uh, while I was waiting. I because I'd been working to get that interview for quite some time. I think they decided to go to all the local outlets, and they didn't pick. I got it for us because I had been asking for so long. Other people got it for various reasons. They had shown interest, and and I think that the media people over there tried to do a respectful job of rewarding the people who had shown interest. But I never expect I I I never thought he was going to do it. But especially after releasing the letter and stuff. Um, right. You know, I think I asked some of his people straight up. I was like, why is he doing this? And they said he wants to tell his story. He feels like he hasn't told his story. He hasn't gotten his story out there. Um, he wants to tell his story. He had put the the letter out there. Long letter. Uh, a long letter. And, you know, again, that kind of he had never answered questions at all from any reporter, um, you know, since, right. the, since, since the announcement, he didn't answer yeah, questions. Yeah, he, he, he promised to be transparent on that day, but didn't take questions. I think they started realizing that he that it was clear that this process did not look transparent. And so this was their attempt at trying to be transparent, answer questions that people have been trying to ask him for quite some time. Now, how he came across is in the eyes of the beholder, whether his story landed um, is, you know, not for me to say, but that is why he decided to do it because he wanted his side out there. He wanted his story to be told, so to speak. So I, I'll just be honest. I have not seen any of those interviews. It was a busy Super Bowl week and coaches, yep. you know, being hired, et cetera, for us in terms of our focus, but how do you think he came across and what do you think the biggest takeaway was for somebody watching it? So, uh, good question. Uh, I'll try to keep it empirical um, and stick to what was the response on social media to, to my post in particular. And, and we keep in mind that usually the people who are loudest are the people who are against something and the people who don't sure. scream for mountaintops are, are, right. are the people who are for it. Um, the headline to my article was the die is cast when I asked him, is there any chance you are going to stay? Is, is Capital One, is D.C. even a remote possibility? And he said, the die is cast. We have chosen our major. Um, and I think that was seen as um, not the most conciliatory language towards D.C. Um, and uh, I asked him. Were you ever going to stay? Because keep in mind, there, were the, uh, there was a lot of reporting last year where he was negotiating with the city for months on end. My sources within D.C. government said they had had ongoing discussions with him about some sort of a package to keep him at Capital One. And when I said, was this a foregone conclusion, he basically turned it to, I've always wanted to own multiple teams, more sports teams. He wants to buy the Nationals. Um he, uh, you know, wants to expand his empire, and he just doesn't have the space to do that 
at Capital One and 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 where their office buildings are now, which is like kind of spread over multiple buildings down there in Chinatown. I mean, it is kind of he just built some new offices and they're spread out into all different buildings. It's not a great setup, to be honest. It's not a great setup for cohesion, collaboration for any sort of company or organization. And he wanted to start from scratch. He always did. I think every owner, um, uh, you know, a billionaire who owns a sports franchise ultimately wants his own, you know, monument. He wants his own arena. He wanted to start from scratch. And so I think he was fairly transparent in finally saying this was the plan all along. He was always going to, to Northern Virginia. Um, you know, and when you get to like, well, what about the traffic? He says, listen, I'm a visionary. This is what we do. We solve problems. Um, and, 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 you know, we're going to fix the traffic. We're going we're gonna to expand the metro stop because that's what the, the city did for the nationals. Um, they expand the Navy Yard and Metro Stop, and that works great. And, you know, that place is two times as big as our arena, that sort of thing. But I think the biggest headlines was, you know, he, there is no plan B. He has no plans to stay. They're wholly focused, even even as the Senate says we are not going to take this issue up. Yesterday, Monumental is saying we're not interested in, in the mayor's $500 million. Um, you know, we do hope she'll let us stay an extra year after we break our lease um, because our arena is not going to be uh, complete. And if not, we're going to have to find a place for the Caps and Wizards to play as a stopgap. I mean, wild, wild, like, ramifications. But even among – despite all, all of that, they are like, there's no plan B. There's no plan A. There is one plan. It is Potomac Yard. It is Alexandria. This but it's, is But it's not in his hands in terms of – It is not in his whether hands, not, but they projected yeah. – I mean, what if it of, fell apart? I mean, he's got to stay in D.C. We kept on asking. They, they, won't, they won't acknowledge that possibility, at okay. least publicly. They just yeah. won't do it. I mean, so um, – there's so many things that you've said, and I've just been sitting here writing down notes to, to follow up on. First of all, I had heard, you know, post that press conference, the initial one, where, to be honest with you, my impression was I thought it was off-putting how excited and giddy they were, and there was no acknowledgement of leaving an area of the city high and dry, which Abe Poland essentially used as the beginning of, 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 a, of a whole new city, of a, a city of neighborhoods, which didn't really exist, you know, prior to 1997. But beyond that, one of the things that I heard was he really wants, you said the plan has always been Virginia, that the plan has been something much bigger and the space doesn't, but hasn't the plan also included an IPO for Monumental? And that the valuation in Northern Virginia with that level of financing is like two to three X. Oh, I, I think for sure. I, I mean, I, I, I can't confirm an IPO. What I can confirm is he has big visions for monumental sports and entertainment. He has put a ton of money and resources into the esports arm of that, which many people see as a growing, growing industry. He's on the forefront of that. They host the national esports tournaments at that esports center they have down there at Gallery Place. He wants to buy another team. He, where he is now 
is 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 in his mind not where he wants this company to be size wise in five, ten, fifteen, twenty years down the road. And surely and correctly, ultimately you grow a company to that size, you do end up taking it public. That's what happens, you know. I mean the 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 Braves are, are a publicly traded company. Um so you know they and they will also tell me behind the scenes, look his his value is yes billions of dollars, but it's all tied up in his sports teams. It's not like he has. This is what they'll tell you exactly. Like billions of dollars sitting around in the bank. Right. He has billions of dollars in. Well, it's assets. tied up into two teams. I mean, yeah. really. I mean, uh, it, that's the Caps and Wizards have to be ninety eight percent of the revenue generated for the company. Right, and so there's a lot of noise on social media that says, "Hey, why don't you take this money?" and put it into building a winning team. There were winning teams. Their yeah. response to that is it doesn't work that way. And the way you get generate money to spend on players is to have a top-notch business organization, including a top-notch arena that is your financial driver, and then you go and put that money back into the top-notch players. So it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? The fans want him to just take this, you know, like imaginary money, which is really just a loan he's taking out, financed by the state of Virginia, and put that in the team. But that's not he doesn't that's not how it works. No, you don't get the loan for doing that. I think I think the frustration is that Ted always kind of comes off as the smartest guy in the room, and he's got terrible franchises. The two franchises that matter, one of them is just an is has been an all time loser, you know, since he took it over and before that. But but let me just say this because I I kind of understand from his standpoint. There are two sides to this story. If you're anti them moving for the because you want it to be a DC team, you don't want that area left high and dry. You understand the capital one without the caps and wizards really isn't going to be, you know, this destination that's going to drive, you know, a lot of traffic and a lot of I mean it, all due respect to the G League team and the WNBA team, it's the caps and wizards that move the needle. But at the same time, and I just want you to help everybody with this including me, the city's culpable here too. Right? Yes. Yes, they didn't. Well, do you mean they're called? Do you mean culpable in in culpable in, 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 in that they they have not been the the best um, partner to Ted? Uh, you know, th- there seems to have been this period of time where they essentially thought he was bluffing. The offers, yeah. you know, came yeah. in at the half billion, you know, kind of late. You had this security concern and the lack of any sort of support security yeah. post pandemic. I mean, I could see from his standpoint frustration with the city, and then, oh, by the way, there's this deal that's so much better than the deal you're offering me. I agree with the premise of that. Um, and, and so I, everything you're saying is correct. The city was late. They, they didn't really address the crime quick enough. He has sunk his own money into that right. arena, and they have not done a lot to help him out. They have not been the greatest business partner in the world, and I think there is no way to doubt that. To dispute that, it is what it is, and and certainly, you know, he uh, again, uh, they will, they will kind of tell you these things on behind the scenes. I, I keep coming back to though, 
I think this was always the plan. I, I don't right. – unless unless D.C. was going to give him the RFK site, right, unless they – he wanted to build something from scratch. And right. he has three acres there. He has 12, 12 in, in the Potomac Yard site. He wants a, a – a, a, like a, a headquarters. He wants a mini city. He wants a monumental – monumental sports and entertainment um, uh, destination. And, and so, you know, I think, yes, all, all those, I think both things can be true. I think the city could have done a much better job, but I still wonder if anything would have changed short of the city finding him a new site, you know, Poplar Point or, or something like that. I don't know to, for where he could really start over. Cause I think he did want to kind of start over, so to speak. Right. I, I think what you just said, I, I, if, if true, if this has always been the plan, um, it shouldn't be relayed that way from a public relations standpoint from there. <laughs> See, I think you could make a reasonable case to reasonable people. Look, we would have, and we would have seriously considered staying. And I think that there was just a lack of heartfelt, lack of compassion maybe in the moment of announcing this that rubbed people the wrong way. But at the same time, I think reasonable people can see that maybe if you, we were all in his shoes, we may have come to the same conclusion. I, I, I don't know, but I am curious, and I'm running out of time here, but you've been great. Uh, two things. One, his p- possibility of buying the Washington Nationals, how good of a, of a chance do you think he has of, of acquiring them? So I will say, and this was all on the record, so I'm going to tell this story. Um, he was late to the interview, um, and, uh, and, and as he was leaving the interview, he goes, sorry, I was late. I was trying to buy another sports team, and then just kind of walked off. And so it's been well reported. I just assumed he's talking about the Nationals. It's been well reported. You know, what we know about um, the, the, the learners is that they set a price tag, and they stick to the price tag. And, and I think, you know, that they're waiting. And this is me completely speculating. I want to make that perfectly clear. Um, I think that it's, it's about what the price tag is going to be. But when you look at the uh, – when you look at uh, Monumental Sports and Entertainment – and the fact that that cable company is a big arm of this empire he's building, I think it makes a lot of sense to add in as many regional sports teams to that empire as you can. So, you know, I don't know if the deal is going to get done, but I firmly believe that that he's trying. I firmly believe that. Do you? First of all, do you think, I mean – Without the Wizards and the Capitals and the revenue that those two teams generate, it's far from an empire, right? I mean, well, well, this is what he wants. This is what he's okay. in his mind. Right. Uh, understood. So, so uh, follow up to the Nats thing. Do you think it's a healthy thing for one particular person to own three of the four major pro sports Ooh. teams in a market? Ooh. I don't know. That's a good. It makes a lot of business sense from a synergy standpoint. I don't know if it's great from a 
from a fan perspective, because if we're talking about the idea that what has been explained to me is that the money you have on players is is basically generated by how good a business operation you have from from a from a ticket sales you know standpoint um that that seems like he would be spread really 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 thin um i mean and and then you look at you know the past history to you know what you know if past is prologue that sort of thing um you know he he, he you know he's had a difficult time building winners um with the with the current teams that he that he has that's what he says the move is about but I don't know how, as a Nationals fan, you you get excited to not. No, have you wouldn't. I, I don't. I, I think that would go over like you know, uh, you know what, in a punch bowl. Well, um, especially personally, now, especially now, especially yeah. now, maybe not so much before, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So last one, I, I literally have thirty seconds. What are you hearing about Washington's football franchise to the RFK site? Uh, there's three sites. Uh, Harris confirmed to us that they have uh, identified three sites. Um, one in D.C., one in Maryland, one in Virginia. Uh, they won't say what the sites are, um, but um, they said we know from, from sources, and it maybe it's not a headline, RFK is the site in D.C., yeah. um, and uh, we should know more in the coming months. That's the direct quote from Josh Harris. We should know more in the coming months. They have a team, and they're working on it actively. This is something Mayor Bowser, whomever the mayor is, when this goes down, has to get done, Right. I think so. I, yeah. I, especially if they actually lose the Caps and the Wizards. Can you exactly. imagine Washington, D.C. only having one pro sport, major pro sports team? Crazy. Great job, Eric. I appreciate it. I think there are like five Got things it. that I didn't get to, but maybe we can do that next time. But good job covering the story, and I appreciate the time. Anytime, Kevin. Thank you. Yep. Eric Flack, everybody, at Eric Flack TV on Twitter on X. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980, theteam980.com. We're free and live on the Odyssey app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.